0: everybody and welcome back to Outside the Orange Bubble. This is Alina and Stephanie back with your intro again. So Stephanie, how was your how was your semester going? Not how was your semester, how is your semester going?
1: My semester is going pretty well. It's been exciting being on campus. I love visiting libraries a lot and shout out to East Pine because that's peak, peak late night writing hour environment. And I love the dining halls as well because Roma's the best and I'm in Maddie. And no, it's been super fun, like meeting people and talking to people in real life is definitely different than in the fall semester. Um, Alina and I were talking about how admission season is starting, So it's crazy that like new, new students are going to be admitted soon. But yeah, that is how a campus life has been for me. We've been really busy, so we might sound tired, but It's awesome. It's super busy because there's so much more to juggle. So this actually, Alina, do you think this is going to be our last episode of this podcast?
0: Yeah, I mean, considering how we don't have any more guests lined up. uh, But yeah, this might be our last episode, at least for the time being we're all just like you know in into campus life and this is all our first semester actually being on campus and doing campus stuff like living college life or whatever so it's it's gonna be a while maybe Um, but it's this has been like super fun obviously we met a lot of cool people we still keep connected with most of them it's really fun it's been a really enriching experience and we hope it has been for everybody who's been listening to this as well
1: yeah it's really crazy to think about like people actually listening to this because we kind of started this as a joke or just like a fun little thing but it's crazy that we've kept it going.
0: Exactly yeah and yeah so Stephanie was talking about admission season so Stephanie do you want to introduce our guest because that was a smooth transition.
1: Perfect segue yes so Archiga actually interviewed her alumni interviewer I don't know if her interviewer like reached out to her or vice versa but her name is Adele Yeah, so it's definitely a different guest than what we've had in the past uh, with like Princeton students, but a unique
0: ending to this podcast, I will say. Yes, definitely the final spin, the unique finale. And yeah, so with that, we hope you guys enjoy our final episode for a while. And we hope you've enjoyed this journey with us.
1: Yes, we'll see you soon. And if you if you're a listener and you're on campus then hit us up or say hi.
2: Today I'm here with Adele and before we get into things I think there's two things that I really want you to start off with. So first obviously just introduce yourself and second how about you let our listeners know how we ended up meeting.
3: Sure, sure thing. So hi everyone. My name is Adele and I graduated from Princeton with the class of 2019. I studied mechanical and aerospace engineering. Now how I met Archika is actually quite an interesting story. So uh, I, my first year out of graduation, I signed up to be a Princeton interviewer. And Archika was actually one of the people that I was interviewing in Seattle. So that's how I met her. I She made an incredible impression on me. <laughs> And so I was incredibly excited when she got accepted to Princeton and we continued to talk uh, after she got accepted to just kind of um, learn more about, you know, how she, how, uh, how the Princeton community could benefit her and her growth and things like that. And so we've just always continued to stay in touch since then. And now I'm very excited to see that she's a part of the Princeton campus. Yeah, no, I
2: think honestly that interview was probably one of my more memorable ones just because a <laughs> it wasn't like an old white man <laughs> so many of my interviews it was just so refreshing to have like someone who was like young and energetic and like super enthusiastic to talk to you and second if there's like one thing that I really remember well I feel like I told you this back in April when we called it was that you would say what I said to you back to me but like 10 times better and it, like <laughs> it was like a you were actually listening and you cared about what I had to say and b you're just so insanely articulate I was like wow this is if this is my like first impression of like someone who goes to Princeton, this is a good one. So. Oh
3: my word, that's so flattering. Thank you so much. And uh, the thing is, the thing that's so funny about you telling me that I was articulate is that I was so incredibly impressed by the by your eloquence and the way mm-hmm. in which. Uh, the way in which you so fluently talked about all of the things that you cared about and all of the initiatives that you were a part of. And so it's so funny because I thought the exact same thing about you. And, you know, in terms of repeating everything that you said back to me, uh, for me, I I, I take my my role as an interviewer very seriously in that Mm -hmm. my role is to is to try to construct a narrative and a story around the applicant that is compelling. And I, you know, I wanted to make sure that I did right by you and did justice by your story. And so I wanted to make sure that I said everything back just to make sure that everything was right in my head and also to make sure that I was, uh, I was already you know, constructing that narrative for you. Yeah! Oh my gosh!
2: For sure, and (laughs) if I'm correct, you are still doing interviews during COVID 19. So I'm sure that is
3: right. Oh my word! (laughs) It looks so
2: so different. So how are interviews going? What has it been like? Um, You're also interviewing for like a new region because it's virtual. From Mm -hmm. from what we talked about, yes,
3: definitely the the benefit about getting to do a bunch of virtual interviews is that uh, I get to make sure that I interview people not just in the region that I'm located in in person. And so I'm located in Seattle right now. And uh, now that now that I get to do a bunch of virtual interviews, it also means that I get to do interviews with a bunch of students from say, the country of the Philippines, which is actually my home country. And so that's been super, super fulfilling for me, because I get the chance to uh, learn about, you know, stories of people who hail from developing countries. And given that I hail from developing country myself, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it, it, it really provides a lot more meaning to the whole idea of interview, interviewing and making sure that you can uh, ensure that the Princeton admissions committee views these people's records with, you know, and I have compassion passion with regards to uh, the context of the socioeconomic situation that they might be in, things mm-hmm. like that. So that's been a really, really fulfilling time for me.
2: Yeah. And speaking of the Philippines, I know this is like well over five Mm -hmm. years ago, I guess, Mm -hmm. what did your journey towards Princeton look like? Like, what was your life like back in the Philippines? And Mm -hmm. how did you end up finding yourself on Princeton's campus?
3: Sure, absolutely. So uh, as you said, I'm from the Philippines, uh, but I didn't actually spend my entire life prior to Princeton growing up in the Philippines. So I did spend Mm -hmm. my entire life growing up in Southeast Asia. Uh, So I was first born in the Philippines when I was about a year old. My parents transferred over to the country of Myanmar. And I actually grew up in the country of Myanmar for a majority of my formative years. I lived there for 13 years. I then returned back to the Philippines. I lived in the capital of Manila for four years during high school. Mm -hmm. And it was really only when I was accepted to Princeton that I moved. Over stateside, uh, but that did mean that you know my entire my entire kind of mentality about life was very much shaped by uh, by kind of. The problems that I had observed in, in, in developing countries, mm-hmm. uh, in countries in the global south, and it really made me compassionate to uh, the types of problems that are faced by people living in these types of countries because the types of countries that are the, the types of problems that people face in the in, in the western developed world are vastly different from the types of problems that people face in these other countries that I grew up in. Um, and so in terms of you know how, how that how, I, how I, actually, I was actually brought over to Princeton, uh, the thing the thing that I always say is that I was I, I definitely grew up being a creative baby I love things related to the arts I loved music arts writing uh, illustration things like that and uh, having grown up being witness to a lot of socioeconomic disparity, a lot of corruption, and things like that, I told myself that the arts is a really great medium to bring awareness to the causes that I care about. But I also mm-hmm. want to pick up some additional skill sets that allow me to actuate tangible change in the causes that I care about. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, uh, when uh, that's when I stumbled upon engineering. Uh, when I was in in the in high school in the Philippines, I had a bunch of educators uh, tell me that uh, I should. I should try exploring the idea of, of of applying kind of the my my desire to uh, for creative problem solving and apply that Apply those, you know, interests towards engineering, uh-huh. and so I decided to, you know, apply to colleges as an engineering major with the idea that I would want to learn more about machinery, uh, and that machinery would be able to uh, bring about, uh, as I said, tangible change and in infrastructural problems and things like that. And so that's how I ended up at Princeton as a mechanical and aerospace engineering major.
2: Yeah. No. And then speaking about like your I guess the things that you observed growing up in both the Philippines and Myanmar—how did that affect the sort of communities that you got involved in at Princeton, or the things that you were also involved in, like on extracurricular or like
3: community or academic sort of level as well? Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, one—I mean, my my experiences growing up definitely influenced uh, all the all the involvements that I. that I participated in during Princeton in several ways, but I think one big, really easy example to point out is the fact that when I came into Princeton, I was super passionate about solving issues in which there are, are there are gaps in access to basic necessities of life. Mm. Uh, because you know, growing up in Myanmar and the same thing occurs in the Philippines. As soon as you go two hours outside of an urban center into the countryside, there are lots of off the grid communities where people don't have a Great access to potable water, to um, to uh, you know sufficient nourishment, things like that. Yeah. And so, uh, one of the extracurriculars that I wanted to—that I made sure that I got involved in—and this is one of the extracurriculars that I wanted to join—I knew when I was an applicant uh, that extracurricular was Engineers Without Borders. Oh yeah. And so I made sure to join Engineers Without Borders. It was one of the first activities that I sought out at the activities fair when I was a freshman. And as soon as I got into Engineers Without Borders, I joined the Peru team. And the Peru—and basically what Engineers Without Borders did was they had. Three international projects going on in three different parts of the world. So mm-hmm. they were do, they were uh, they were building projects in Peru, Kenya and the Dominican Republic. And the projects were slightly different in each of these countries. And as part of the Peru team, what we were trying to do was to build a gravity-fed water pipeline that transported potable water from a water source, I think about 25 miles, if I'm not mistaken, over to a community, uh, to a little village within, uh, within the countryside of Peru that didn't have access to potable water. Oh, wow. And so that's something that we got to do. I got to learn a lot about 3D design. We uh, I was not part of the travel team that would actually travel to uh, Peru to install the Gravity Water Fed pipeline, but remotely during the school year, what we would do is do things like go into CAD, go into the computer labs to actually design all of the components that make up the, the pipeline and things like that. And so there was definitely a lot that I learned through that process. Yeah, no, that sounds
2: actually super awesome. Like, I feel like it's both hands-on, meaningful, you learn a lot. It's like very skillful mm-hmm. I feel like it checks all the boxes in a way. And I oh,
1: absolutely. And <laughs> I'm so
2: excited to sign up for that. So if you're listening, I guess this is a plug for engineers without borders. <laughs> I, I should
3: actually look into that. I feel like- You I definitely copy. should. I truly think that it's something that you personally would be interested
2: in. No, yeah, it sounds super exciting. Speaking <laughs> of the communities on campus, tell us about what res college you were in and your experiences with that res college. And then also, I guess this is more of your upperclassman years, what eating club you were in and your experiences with that as well.
1: Sure,
3: okay, so first addressing the res college question, mm-hmm. I was a part of first, um, which uh, Archika and I had just learned we are, we both hail from the same res college. So that was super exciting. Yeah. And so I was part of uh, clap hall. And in terms of how my experience was like in first, it was really great in that a lot of the closest friends that I still retain post-graduation were people that I met at first. Uh, They were people that I met at coffee breaks, something that uh, first did really regularly when I was still in undergrad was uh, they would do things like breakfast for dinner or uh, coffee breaks and things like that. And I made sure to attend all of them. I was always the type of person that was making sure that I attended every single one of these things. (laughs) And so I definitely met a lot of those people Uh, A lot of my best friends through those, uh, through those events and people that I still talk to on a weekly basis now, post-graduation, which is such a big privilege to be able to say that you keep in contact with those people, you know, as regularly as that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that goes to show the huge impact that my res college had on my experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that, they were able to give me my favorite people, favorite people who were able to positively influence my moral and motivational compasses as much as they did, uh, first gave me these people throughout, first gave me these people to enjoy throughout the four years of my college experience and beyond. And that's something that I'm always going to be grateful to First for. And also something that First definitely has going for it is it's location, location, Centeredness. I yeah. think uh, that's something people are always, you know, are always are always uh, uh, saying is a positive factor about the first experience, and it definitely was the case for me because I was the type of person who would roll out of bed and go to and you know enter lecture ten minutes late. And so, if I lived somewhere like Forbes, that would have been a disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a disastrous situation. I just would not end up going to class. I just don't think I could handle it. Um, But in terms of what I actually ended up doing my upperclassman year. So uh, when I was a sophomore, I ended up bickering for tower and that ended up being the eating club that I was a part of. And that also gave me a bunch of new friends that i was able to get to know uh during my last two years of college and many friends of whom i again similarly to the similar to the situation with first uh these are friends that i still am in contact with on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. and um that is something that i'm always going to be grateful to both first and tower for uh i've i've gotten uh, I've gotten a bunch of friends in an incredibly diverse array of interests and fields that I get to check in on. Uh, and I think that's, you know, the, one of the really great benefits of things like res colleges, the fact that you're randomized into these six colleges on a random basis, uh, mm-hmm. without, you know, care for uh, what major you might be studying, uh, what, you know, walk of life you may be, you know, journeying aqu- uh, uh, upon at that moment. Uh, but it does mean that you get exposed to such a vast array of people. Fast. Oh, yeah. Array of cultural backgrounds, vast array of interests. And it's so great to be able to say that post-graduation, I have people uh, do, do working on public health initiatives and being part of Corona task coronavirus task forces in India mm-hmm. to uh, people who are uh, analyzing uh, public policy changes in the Philippines uh, whilst you know, studying at law school in the Northeast. And it's so, so, so cool to be able to say that these are the types of people that I talk to on a regular basis who have helped me help who have helped me become a better person and uh these are people that I stumbled into <laughs> because of my res college and my eating club yeah
2: no I definitely agree I think it's really great how no matter like what you're majoring in or what you're interested in you can live completely like adjacent to someone with like very different interests but also make a very like meaningful and valuable connection with them as well so I mm-hmm. think like your experience is definitely a big big testament to that and speaking of people Where people are at after like Princeton, what are you doing after Princeton and what did that journey look like transitioning from school to work?
3: Sure, absolutely. So in terms of what I'm doing after Princeton, uh, I ended up getting employed at Microsoft. And so I work as a program manager over there on a division called Azure Identity. And Azure Identity is a division that focuses on problems related to cybersecurity, data protection, and privacy, which I find very interesting because uh, my big thing is I I, I try to find opportunities for with the the phrase that I always use is service through technology. So in other words, I try to find uh, areas in which I can solve a problem that is topical and has social impact. Mm-hmm. And I think in this increasingly uh, modernized, techified—that's not a word, but I'll use it anyway—techified landscape, uh, data commodification is is more topical than ever, and is more uh, is more kind of under the spotlight than ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, data commodification, as we've seen through the ways in which um, the ways in which various companies have used people's data in order to influence huge events, huge political events, huge elections, and things like that, um, it's 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 super super cool for me to work in a division where I can cultivate opinions about uh, how. How, to what extent should we allow individuals the ability to uh, hold for themselves their own civic privacy? And how do we provide these people with toolkits in order to protect those civic privacies and things like that? Mm-hmm. And so this is a super, super cool space for me to work around at this point in life. And we mostly focus on the enterprise customer situation when, when it comes to Microsoft. And I'm very interested to see how, how, see, how, you know, how see how I'll be able to apply these skill sets in the future.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's like a very nuanced problem to solve, too, because there's like a lot of like individual
3: dynamics
2: going on and then like politics comes into that, government comes into Mm -hmm. that regulation, and then also like what's right and what's wrong. So that's actually really, really interesting. I think it's very fascinating just to even scrape the surface of, like, I feel like there's so much below the ice that you just Oh, absolutely. Think about until you're working in that space specifically. Oh,
3: absolutely, and it's especially interesting whenever we work on cases with you know huge customers, and you know we, we do work with a lot of enterprises, but we also work with a lot of government government agencies that deal with a lot of you know highly privileged information, and a lot of these nuances do then come into the con into the conversation, which is a really really interesting thing to see.
2: Yeah, for sure. So time is literally flying, and I want to get to the rapid fire questions. So as like a little bit of a preface, um, it's just, I'm going to go for like 10 questions, quick questions, quick responses, just Mm. to get to know you better in like totally random ways. So these questions are going to be all over the place. Okay, wonderful. Are you ready? Should we get started? Let's do it. Okay. Number one is if you've ever attended a concert or alternatively a live performance, what was the first one you attended?
3: The first one I attended was the Black Eyed Peas. The end. Oh my gosh, I loved that I
2: these. My family was super into that in fourth grade. Oh
3: really? Yeah, my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> song really, I, was, I got a feeling era. So I my agree. parents were jamming out.
2: <laughs> and then like boom, boom, pow. That was awesome. Oh, boom, boom,
3: pow. Rock that body. It was. It was a great time.
2: So <laughs> many, so many good songs. The second question is: Who
3: was your most influential professor
2: at Princeton, and what was the class?
3: Mm. Oh my word. uh, it's so funny, there's so many influential professors. I think, I think the one that I like to use is because it's a little bit unorthodox since I was an MAE student. Uh, but uh, someone that I like to mention is actually Alfred Ben Dixon from the English department uh, in that you know, I have a lot of interest with regards to arts, writing and storytelling and he really helped cultivate a lot of those interests and made me realize that uh, I'm still able to carry on these interests while working on an engineering job.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. The third question is, in one sentence, what advice would you give to Princeton students to make the most out of their time here?
3: Also uh, good Question: <laughs> Do not feel guilty about making relationships. Uh, if you if you uh, if you don't work on a piece in order to spend time with a person, do not feel guilty about that.
2: I like that. I like that. I think I'll use that going forward. <laughs> um, what was your favorite study spot on campus?
3: Oh my word. Um, eh, uh, <laughs> there are so many. Uh, I think when when I was an underclassman, J Street at First College. Uh, and then when I was an uh, uh, upperclassman, I really liked working in the econ building. I think it's called Julius or, or, or I forget what it's called. I have but the econ building is what we called it because it was it finished construction like midway through my college career.
2: Oh wow, very cool. Okay, mm-hmm. so in also one sentence, what does success mean to you? Being happy. <laughs> I love that. Very simple, but also very true. Um, if you could immediately be talented at one thing, what would it be?
3: Oh, dance. Uh, urban dance, hip hop dance. I just think it's so cool. I wish I was <laughs> a part of <to> <laughs>
2: um, Okay, and then the next one is, how would you describe your
3: 2020 in three words? Three words. Uh, challenging, new, exciting. I like those too. I was thinking like hit by car, but. <laughs> Oh, yes, I did get hit by a car October twenty twenty. That was an unfortunate story, but we are all good. I am safe and healthy. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> okay, the next one is: If you could teach
2: a class at Princeton, what would you call it?
3: Oh my word! So many, so many different channels to take this answer to take this question in. Um, Ah, (laughs) Uh, becoming a better person through (laughs) self-awareness.
2: I like that too. That was like, I feel like these questions are a lot harder than I thought they would be when I was writing them down, but you're handling them very well. So there's only two more left. Um, If you had to pack your bags immediately and move somewhere else for the next three years, what place would you choose? Uh,
3: I would go to France because, uh, because, um one of the languages that I would really like to get more proficient in is French I've never really been immersed in France I'm pretty good in a classroom level experience but I really want to make sure that I can talk and speak fluently Uh, talk read write fluently with you know other locals
2: yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense and then the last one is what's the best kind of investment you've made in yourself like recently or previously too
3: well, I think an easy answer to that question is flight training. So recently, I started uh, trying to fly planes, at least learning to. Uh, and I've been doing that because obviously I work in a software job, and I've just been wanting to make sure that I retain these aerodynamics principles that I learned during my time as an M.A.E. major at Princeton. So I've been doing that a lot. Yeah. No, you are like
2: hands down probably one of the most interesting people I know, and so we like. <laughs> so sweet. In- <laughs> It's crazy, like you like to songwrite, you like to fly, you're an MA major, you're working at Microsoft. I just, it's just, it's, it's really cool. Um, but those are all of the Ravikar questions and we're coming to the end of the episode. So I just wanted to say this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being so willing to hop on to our very casual- Oh, marketing. absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. This was such a fun conversation to have, so I feel like it'll also be fun to listen to, hopefully. I'm sure it will be. I will will
3: very eagerly listen to this episode as well as the rest of your podcast. Very excited to support.
2: (laughs) Yes. Um, So yeah, I guess in conclusion, thank you so, so much. And this was just super fun and I hope everyone listening to this enjoys it. Okay, we did that. We did that. That was so...